Awaken podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Welcome to Awaken. We are so glad you're here, especially if you're new. We would like to get to know you. And if you feel the same, you could fill out a connection card on the Awaken website and someone will give you a call. Now, to gather us to worship from wherever we've been, whatever we've been doing, I have a few words from Psalm 147. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. He heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Let's worship.
Hello. My name is Mandy. I'm the Kids Community Director. It was so fun to see so many of you at Box Pickup this past week, this last Sunday afternoon. I hope you've had some time to open up the box and see what's in for the month. Lots of activities. I hope you find something that you love amongst all of the different ideas. Last week, I explained this photo album. And I would love, if your family creates one, I'd love to see a little glimpse of it. You can post a picture on the Facebook Fireside Room or email it to me, and it might take a while. It might take the month, like I said. Spread it out. Today I'm gonna to pull out another activity from the box, and I encourage you to try it out either with me right now or after church today. If you wanna do it with me now, go grab your box. Our lesson this month from the box is from Matthew 5, and it's about being salt and light. Your family can go through this Bible story together using either the story sheet that tells the story or just go ahead and read it right out of your Bible, preferably maybe both. Ask some good questions. Find out what the meaning of the salt is. Why, why do they use salt in the story, and what does that mean for us today? There's even a salty snack for you to enjoy while you read the story. All right, I'm going to pull out this. Have you figured out what to do with this? This is a coffee filter from our very own Awakened Kitchen. Either now or after church, I want you to grab a flashlight and take this filter and go in a dark room. Shine your flashlight through the coffee filter. Does it still make light? I forgot my flashlight, so I'm going to try this. It's hard to see with all these lights on, but yes, it does. If Jesus is our light, do you, what do you think the coffee filter represents? Yes, the coffee filter is us. Jesus is our ultimate example of good, of light, of beauty, of joy. If we're listening and seeing Jesus, his light will shine through us. People around us will see Jesus if we are letting his light shine through us. What does that mean to let, our, let his light shine through us? What do you think are some ways to do that? Take some time to share with your family. Come up with some ideas. How do we let Jesus' light shine through us? And maybe what does that mean? Maybe you said kindness or caring for those in need, encouraging a friend who is sad, making our words uplifting, rather than mean and rude. Maybe finding a way to bring happiness and joy to those around us. Making people laugh or smile. Treating others fairly. Sharing. An important one is even caring for ourselves and being kind to ourselves. That's a way to let Jesus shine as well. These are all ways to let Jesus shine through us. And I bet you came up with even more ideas. Keep thinking about this, and I would love to hear some of those ideas. Something else fun you can do with the coffee filter is cut some shapes into it. Let the light shine through the shapes and create new light. Now, how would that, cutting the shapes, how would that relate to our life? Are there ways that you can bring change to create more light, to create new light, creative light? Lastly, I want to touch on what Micah is talking about today. He's going to be explaining the spiritual practice of fasting. Have you heard of fasting? What do you think that means? Fasting is a choice that you can make to stop doing something or to give something up for a certain amount of time in order for you to put your focus and your time towards something else. Said another way, it is being intentional about removing something in order to pay attention to something else. This would be a great time to talk with your family about how they have experienced fasting. Has anyone in your family tried giving something up for a time? And what did that experience teach them? Or how did it impact them? Take some time to talk about that with your family. Go ahead and pause this. It can be really hard to remove something especially if it's something that you really enjoy. But if removing that thing or that activity would create space for you to pay attention to something else, 
Hmm, maybe you spend a lot of time thinking about the next time you get to play the Xbox or the next time you get to play a fun game on your iPad. But what if you knew that wasn't going to be an option for a few days? What if you took a pause on that? How do you think you'd spend that time? What if you decided not to look at your phone or screen during a mealtime? I bet your time at, while you're eating with those around you would be more focused, would be more meaningful. In your box, there is a bookmark that has various verses about light. I want to challenge you to take some time each day to pick a verse to read. Our theme is light this month, and each of these verses have something to do with light. Ask some questions about the verse. Look around the verse for other scripture surrounding it. Take some time to think about these verses. I also want you to challenge you to think of one thing that you can give up this week. Maybe by giving that one thing up, you can make time to read those verses. That's just an idea. Or maybe you can think of something else to do with that time. Spend more time talking about this with your parents or with those that you do church with. And most importantly, spend some time talking with God about this. Take some time to be still with God today and see if anything comes to mind that you need to pay more attention to or that you want to take more, pay more attention to. What can you intentionally give up in order to pay more attention to something that God might desire you to focus on? And how might this create, how, how, ooh, how might this experience create some new shapes that Jesus' light will shine through you? Just like the shapes in the coffee filter. My daughter Eloise cut some shapes in our coffee filter a little smaller. Remember that Jesus' light can shine through you each and every day. He loves you, and he loves shining through you. All right, thank you, Mandy. Beautiful as always. All right, let's sing the song of blessing over our kids. Chekhov saw the long winter, he saw winter bleak and dark and bereft of hope. Yet we know that winter is just another step in the cycle of life. But standing here among the people of Punxsutawney, basking in the warmth of their hearths and hearts, I couldn't imagine a better fate than a long and lustrous winter. Good morning, friends, and welcome to Awaken. I'm your pastor, Micah. I'm glad you, you have joined us. I'm glad you're here. Let me begin with this list. Exodus chapter 34, Moses and the Ten Commandments. Esther chapter 4 through 7. Jews separated, or excuse me, spared from Haman. 1 Samuel 1, Hannah and the birth of Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 7, the ark is returned to Israel. 2 Samuel chapter 12. David's called out by the prophet Nathan for his indiscretion with Bathsheba. 1 Kings chapter 19, the Lord uh, appears to Elijah on Mount Horeb. Jonah chapter 3, Jonah repents, or Jonah and the repenting of the Ninevites, I should say. Ezra chapter 10, the return of the Babylonian exile. Nehemiah chapter 9, the rebuilding of the wall. Daniel chapter 9, the lion's den. Joel chapter 2, the prophet says God will pour out his spirit on sons and daughters. Luke chapter 2. Anna's declaration about Jesus the Messiah, Luke chapter 4, Jesus tempted in the desert. 
Acts chapter 9, Saul's conversion. Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas sent off to a missionary journey. Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas commissioned the first missionaries. Now, question. What on earth do all of these Bible verses have to do with each other? What do they have in common? You might be wondering. Well, I'll tell you. Every single one of them has to do with fasting. In some way, shape, or form, fasting is present in each of these verses. This morning, in week three of our series entitled A Long Winter, I want to explore the spiritual practice of fasting. Uh, In this series, we're looking at practices, practices that will get us through a long winter, um, practices that will get us through being apart from one another while uh, due to COVID, Um, practices that will get us through the long nights and the short days, though they are getting longer and longer, but with each passing day, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen, pastor. (laughs) So we've looked at, uh, so far we've looked at the examine in the first week. Uh, Hopefully, last week, you got out in creation, um, wandered around nature uh, as a part of your spiritual experience. This week, I want to talk about fasting. So, um, nearly every major religion in the world has promoted fasting as a part of the spiritual practice. Uh, Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, they all fasted. Gandhi fasted for 21 days to promote peace. Even Hippocrates, the father of of Western medicine, uh, he believed that fasting enabled the body to heal itself. Now, um, fasting has been a part of the human experience long before Jesus, and it it, it remains a part of the human experience long after Jesus. So here's what I want to do this morning. Uh, First, I want to look at um, maybe some of, do a little pre-work, make sure that we know what fasting is not and what it is. Um, I think if we're honest, there's a lot of damage that's been done in the name of religion. Uh, And fasting is often accompanied with a a particular kind of spirituality that has done a lot of that harm. Uh, So I want to start there. I want to make sure that we know what fasting is and is not, what we are and are not talking about. And then I want to move to what I think are some of the benefits of fasting, Uh, a few of my thoughts on why I think this is worth it. And then I want to leave you with a challenge, uh, sort of a two-part challenge. The first will be a personal challenge, and the second will be a challenge for us as a community. So pray with me, if you will. God, we thank you for this day and the opportunity to be here together. Um, It's my hope and prayer that um, by your spirit you would be present wherever this is being listened to or or watched and um, you would move in and through um, like the song said. Uh, So God, we want to declare that we're open to what you're up to. We want to say that um, um, our hearts are soft to the moving of your spirit. So um, do that work in us, I pray. In the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit, and the church said together, amen. So um, let's begin. We'll jump in here. We'll do a little pre-work before we jump into the benefits of fasting. I think we want to be clear on a couple of things. Um, If I'm being totally honest, during our planning of this series, uh, when we were talking about whether or not we should do a whole week on fasting, uh, there were mixed reviews among the staff, and um, there was some serious hesitation (laughs) That came from, I think, that, that came from some of the harm that was done uh, around this practice of fasting, myself included. So if by chance you find yourself in that place, you're one of those people, you're a little nervous, you're a little suspect about the next 25 minutes, I want to just sort of walk you off the ledge. I want to try to be as pastoral and shepherding as I can, because I believe that the benefits of fasting far outweigh any risk that we might be taking by engaging this topic. Um, I think for many, fasting and prayer, this gets to what it isn't, fasting and prayer was sort of wrapped up in this frenzied or frantic expression of faith. Uh, There were the, you know, 24-hour prayer rooms and people weeping and crying. There was a lot of emotion running around, uh, worship sets that went on for hours and hours, things called harps and bowls and whatnot, uh, where it felt like God could sort of be manipulated by our passion or our fervor and our faith. Um, Honestly, to me, it always felt a little chaotic. Um, And fasting was immediately connected to this feeling of inadequacy. You know, that maybe you could say like graded holiness, you know, that verse that says, well, some things only come by prayer and fasting. And so if you have enough passion and enough fervor and enough faith and you like muster it up, you can sort of bring about these things that we're praying and fasting about. But And nobody ever said it, but of course, everybody inferred it or felt it. And that is, if it didn't happen, 
if the things you were praying for and fasting for didn't happen, then you didn't have enough faith. You didn't pray long enough. You didn't fast with enough passion or enough commitment. Now, I want to be clear. Uh, I believe in prayer. Uh, For crying out loud, I'm a pastor. Um, but But aside from that, I do. I believe in the power of prayer and the power of fasting. And while I wouldn't say that I'm a gifted intercessor, uh, I believe that prayer and fasting really matter. Uh, Somehow in the economy of God, when the people of God pray and fast with intention and with faith, it matters. Now notice what I didn't say. I didn't say that God moves or God changes things or prayers get answered. I said it matters because I believe that it does. Sometimes it does appear that God moves. Sometimes um, it appears that things do change. God does answer our prayer. But then there are those times when it doesn't seem to have any effect. And our prayer and fasting seem to go without being answered. And yet I want to say that it still matters. No one talks about those moments, by the way. But I want to say it still matters. Because prayer and fasting and these practices of the spiritual life, they're not always about the external things that you can kind of see and quantify. Sometimes they matter in the quiet places of our souls, like under the cover of darkness and stillness, which is why winter is such a great metaphor. Things move and shift in us because we pray and fast. So I want to start this morning by saying fasting is not an attempt to kind of twist God's arm or not a means by which we judge each other or our commitment or lack thereof or judge ourselves. While there are definitely extraordinary spiritual experiences that happen to us, fasting need not only be exercised in those sort of hyper-emotional or sometimes contrived or forced situations. In fact, I want to suggest the benefits of fasting, the reasons I'm going to encourage you to do it, they're they're often more internal than they are external. uh, Fasting is like a doorway, and when we choose to open it, there are things that would be available to us that wouldn't otherwise be available. So why fast? Let's start with a dictionary definition. Fasting is to abstain from all or some kinds of food or drink, especially in a religious observance. Now, for our purposes and exploration, as a spiritual practice, I want to sort of broaden that definition. Typically, it's about food, but I want to broaden it, yes. Traditionally, fasting is about abstaining from food. But as a practice, the way I want to talk about it today, I want to make that a little bit bigger. I want to say that fasting is the intentional denial or abstention from something for a period of time in order to be open to something else. The intentional denial or abstention from something could be anything, food or something else, for a period of time in order to be open to something else. So let's explore this a little bit. Like, what's going on when we fast from something? Or said differently, why bother fasting? I want to say, first, when we fast from either food or something else in our lives, we are open to new things. Uh, I had a professor in college, his name was R.J. Kerper. He looked a little bit like Groucho Marx. Think glasses, big giant, my brothers and I call it a quarter round mustache. (laughs) If you're a homeowner and you pay attention to like trim around your house, there's a little tiny strip of wood along the floor. Some people call it base shoe. It's like the, 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 the base of the trim, but some people call it quarter round because it's like the quarter of a circle. So we call it a quarter round mustache. Sorry. Uh, I'm just imagining my brothers and I making fun of, um, you know, any number of people with, with facial hair. Uh, okay, yeah, RJ, RJ, he had a, a big giant quarter round mustache, Groucho Marx. But RJ talked about this idea that um, you could do three to six months worth of ministry in, uh, in, a, in a weekend retreat. Um, he, was, he was really, really big on taking students out of their normal and everyday lives to some other location for what we call a retreat, you know, weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, weekend retreat. And he argued that you could do up to six months of ministry in that three, two and a half days. Um, you could do that much ministry in two and a half days uh, that would be worth essentially six months of ministry. Now, retreats and pilgrimage experiences 
they have been a part of uh, the spiritual life for a very long time. Like Christians and many other religions uh, have been doing this for forever, right? Uh, why do people go on pilgrimage? Why do people, or, or why are retreats so powerful? Why do we as a staff take a weekend in the spring to go to Pachaman Terrace and sit in a hermitage alone by ourselves? Because when we're out of our normal and everyday routines and surroundings, we're open to new things. Just relocating our bodies creates the potential for new encounters with God or ourselves or with others. And fasting is similar. When we fast and intentionally remove food or something else from our daily activities, it's kind of jarring, like almost like relocation of our bodies on a retreat, but for our minds and our souls. Uh, when we fast from TV or social media or drinking or soda or alcohol for that matter, or food, whatever it is, that's a part of our normal and everyday experience. It's like our bodies and our minds and our souls get bumped. Like they get jarred into a new level of alertness. You know, like if you're at the grocery store and somebody bumps you and you're kind of like, whoa. We become awake in a way that we weren't before. Like have you ever, um, for those of you that commute to work, it's like taking a different route home from work if you commute. Science shows that for those of us that, that do commute, just by like taking a different, uh, a different route home from work, there are new neural pathways being connected and, uh, and burst, ones that would have otherwise been asleep or inactive. Fasting is similar. When we intentionally deny ourselves something that's normally a part of our life, our daily routines, we become awake and open in a way that we weren't before. So here's a question for you. In the midst of a pandemic, where every day seems to be the same, over and over and over again, like Groundhog Day, which is, by the way, where the opening quote came from. <laughs> it just felt like it was right for this series. Is anyone up for the arrival of something new? Is anyone up for a new experience? Are you, would, you, would you like to be open and awake to a new idea, a new way of understanding God? Fasting and the practice of abstaining from something intentionally opens us up to that possibility. Second, fasting also allows us to manifest or make our belief known. Here's what I mean. Um, have you ever thought about this? Like your beliefs, most of your beliefs, or the things you say you believe, they live in the unseen. Another way of saying that is that you can believe all kinds of things about all kinds of things, and it's possible for me to never know those things. Unless, of course, you do something, you participate in something that requires you to make known or manifest your belief. Like, we say we believe all kinds of things about God, right? God has the power to heal, or uh, the Holy Spirit is alive and active in the world. The Holy Spirit's taken up residence in me as the believer. Uh, the Spirit of God is empowering me then to live in the world, empowering the church to do the work of the church in the world. Um, I actively and daily depend on God and try not to actively and daily depend on myself. I could go on and on, right? But how does anyone know those things if I don't manifest them or make them known? Peter Rollins, who's an Irish philosopher, I guess, says, our beliefs are always cloaked in our actions. What does he mean by this? Well, it's possible for you not to know what I believe because I don't wear it on a t-shirt or it's not broadcast on my forehead, which wouldn't that just be a terrible idea, by the way? Have you ever had that nightmare where your thoughts are on your forehead? Rollins argues what we truly believe is actually hidden in our actions. We act in the world based on what we believe to be true and real about the world, about God and ultimately ourselves. And so fasting is one of the many ways, one way among many, for me to manifest my belief about God in my actions. It's a chance for me to take something that I mentally agree with or assent to and essentially, with concrete action and representation, like make that known so that my true beliefs then are cloaked in my actions. Not only that, that you can make your beliefs made known or manifest them, but fasting is an opportunity for embodiment. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this today uh, because we're going to spend a whole week on this uh, in a couple of weeks. 
the practice of embodiment. But I think it's safe to say that for many of us, our Christianity or our faith was never connected to our bodies. In fact, in some cases, my relationship with God in my spiritual life was actually kept away from my body because of how this faulty, crazy belief that my body is somehow inherently evil and it's to be avoided at all costs. Like, we got to steer clear of that. But fasting gives me a chance to align, right, to bring those two things into agreement, incorporate my faith with my body. And that idea of embodiment is something that I want to encourage and continue to put forth as something that's good for us at Awaken. I want, to, I want to see us grow in that area. So we're open to new things. We're able to manifest our belief. It's a chance to embody our beliefs. And then lastly, I would say, and I've spoke about this before at Awaken, but fasting allows us or fasting gives an opportunity to expose our desire. Now, I taught on fasting like very early on at Awaken. Um, and I found this book when I was doing some research on this topic, and I, I ran across it. I don't know where I got it from, but it was absolutely brutal. Like, theologically, I had so many objections to what was being written, the claims that this author was making. It was, it was god-awful. But it did have this one redeeming quality, and I've held on to it for years. And that is, the author said that fasting puts us face-to-face with the question, what do you want? I'm convinced that a spiritual life that's robust, that's maturing, informed, and growing is one that is deeply connected and continually wrestles with this question, what do you want? This is one of the questions Jesus asked the blind man. Maybe even more than that, why do you want it? For me, half the time if I walk down this road of my desire, especially when it's something that's not terribly good for my soul, the answer to that second question, why do you want it, more often than not is I'm bored. Fasting gives us the chance and it opens the door for us to notice the longings, to pay attention, to feel the desire as it wells up in me, to ask it questions. To be in a posture of control where it, it being desire, doesn't run amok and unchecked, but rather we we, we interrogate it. And so in my heart of hearts, deep down, what do I want and why do I want it? If I'm being honest, when I ask myself those questions, the, the answer is often, I want comfort. Or, I want the path of least resistance. I think I'm exceptional, and so those rules don't apply to me. I want to be full, or I want to be satisfied. And so now, because of fasting, I'm in the position to wrestle with, well, who or what will comfort me? Who or what will satisfy me? Fasting opens that door for me to wrestle with and examine those things. Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. I tend to agree with him. So let me close with this. Fasting can include, but it doesn't have to, include food. It can include any number of things. It's the intentional denial of something that's normal and everyday in our lives in order to make space for something else. So here's my invitation to you. First, personally, is there something that you can abstain from in this next week as a practice? you get to decide what it is, but one thing you can abstain from this week as a practice with the hope of becoming open and awake in a different way, the hope of manifesting and embodying your own, your belief about God and what God might do through this practice, with the hope of exposing your desire so you can interrogate, what do I want and why do I want it? You decide what that is, whatever would be helpful for you. But this week, together with others in our community, Can we bump our souls and bodies? Can we alert them so that they're awake in new ways? And then secondly, will you fast with me as a church? On Friday of this week, will you fast with me? And the purpose of our fast, this is a traditional fast of food, the purpose of our fast is for solidarity, for vision, direction, and healing. Like we've lived the last nine months in a pandemic. And a pandemic that's not over yet, but for which there seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel, God willing. At some point, hopefully soon, we'll be back together again. 
And honestly, I think there's going to be a lot of new faces that you don't recognize. Just this last week at Discover Awaken, a whole bunch of people, never been to the church, but are like, they're with us. So will you fast and pray with me that God would bind our hearts together as one body with common vision and purpose and clarity across this time and space that we have apart from each other? And also, in our world, especially in America, it's being tested in some ways, being exposed in other ways for what it is. Division and racism and hatred, they've sort of been brought to the surface of our public life together. And I would argue we're desperately in need of healing. We're desperately in need of a wave of God's justice and righteousness to wash over us, to wash over me. So this Friday, will you fast with me? From sunrise to sunset, eat before the sun comes up, break the fast after the sun sets, just like Ramadan. For healing, for justice, for righteousness, in me, in you, in our world. And as you do, be in prayer. Be in prayer for our elected officials. Somebody called me out on this on Facebook last week, and I'm glad they did. Pray for both the incoming president and the outgoing president. Pray for our teachers and our leaders, our civic leaders, our faith leaders, our pastors, that God might bring about the justice and righteousness and healing that is talked about in the prophets. A justice roll down like a mighty water, righteousness flow like an ever-flowing stream. May that be true in us in me, in you. So would you do that this week? Is there something you can abstain from personally? It doesn't have to be food. Maybe it's, I don't know, you, you decide. But through the week and pay attention in the ways that you become alert and awake to new things. And then will you, this coming Friday, with me, will you fast from sunup to sundown for God to bind our hearts together over this time and space we're apart, and also that we might be healed for justice and for righteousness. So pray with me, if you will. God, um, I pray in the next few moments of silence that your Holy Spirit would do its work, that you would um, move in and through this community, wherever we find ourselves, and speak to our hearts. So God, whatever... uh, If we're up for this challenge, this invitation, whatever invitation or or whatever uh, item, thing we might abstain from for this week, in order to, uh, to be awake to something new, in order to embody our belief that you move and that that prayer and fasting is powerful, um, would you bring that to light? in the next few moments of silence. And God, also, would you, um, would you visit us in a very real and special way this coming Friday? For those that participate and can participate, um, would you move and heal, bind our hearts together as one? Just like Jesus prayed in John 17, that the world might see we are one as you are one with the Father. So do that, God, I pray. In the next few moments of silence, we give to you for your spirit to speak and move. Well, we're going to close our time together with a song that is um, an invitational song. And I chose it because I was thinking about uh, the topic of the day, which is fasting. And I grew up, I don't know about you, but um, in an environment where the invitational voice to something like fasting um, was a little harsh. (laughs) And I was thinking, um, what would it be like if if I realize that the invitation of God um, for me to stop something in my life
have to create space or for something else had a gentleness to it. Um, just a longing even to be with me. And so uh, this song hopefully will maybe, if you're in that same place, help you uh, renew that tone as well. So sing this along with me if you can. Come to Jesus He will never cast you out Come you thirsty Put aside your fear Your doubt with great gentleness With great gentleness He draws you How He draws you See how he draws you to himself. Come to Jesus. He will satisfy your heart with his presence. And be your lantern in the dark with great was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat of this, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup and he blessed it. He said, this is my body, my blood shed for you. Whenever you drink of this, do it in remembrance of me. So my friends, be reminded that this table is the table of the church. No, it's not. It's the table of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith, you who have little, you who have been here often, you who have maybe not been here for a long time or ever before, you who have tried to follow, you who have failed. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. So come, not because I invite you, because the Christ, the resurrected one, invites you to come and be fed and be known here at the, at the table. So as you take the bread, which I have just dropped, that is a terrible moment for a pastor. <laughs> which reminds me of another story. I was doing a wedding once for my, my soon-to-be sister-in-law. So I'm doing a wedding for my Laura's parents' son, okay? Outdoor wedding. We get to the vows and rings. I take the rings, I'm holding them, and I drop her wedding ring on a giant concrete, like, stone patio. 
like, oh my gosh. Of all the things not to drop at a wedding, it's the bride's ring. As a pastor, of all the things not to drop, it's the body of Christ. Okay, get it together. So, as you take the bread, hear these words, the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat, my friends. Similarly, I invite you to take the cup and hear these words. The blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink, friends. Well, I'm anxious to hear uh, the stories of how this series is living its life in the world, in you. So keep posting to the Fireside page. Keep posting to Instagram. Um, really, I, I'd, I'd love to hear how this practice of fasting uh, landed and what experiences you had this week. So I hope to hear from you. Uh, and Friday, we'll do it together. Um, by the way, if you don't want to fast the whole day from like all food, pick something or, or make it yours. Like it's your fast, so you do what you need to do, okay? No judgment. So, um, but Friday from sunup to sundown, we'll do that together, if you would. Uh, receive this blessing as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The church said together, amen. Grace and peace, friends. See you next week. Friends, I'm a mess tonight. Uh, I forgot to tell you what's happening in the life of our church. So community life, three things. Number one, coffee delivery. Sign up uh, is happening until the 21st of January. The coffee will be delivered on the 23rd of January for you to drink on the 24th of January. So if you're interested, sign up on the internet. Number two, um, Zoom worship is happening tonight. Our good friend Melody Olson, right back here, is leading that. 8.30, the link is in the Awaken Weekly for that. So join her for that. And last but not least, uh, if you're interested in connections, Kathy Solomon, our good friend Kathy, will be taking a walk in the park down at Crosby Farm Park, just down off of West 7th over here. And I think that's happening today, if I'm not mistaken. It's 2 p.m. If for some reason it's not today, it's in your Awaken Weekly, but I'm pretty sure it is today. So 2 p.m., walk in the park with Kathy. That's all, friends. See you next week. Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.